Show Building the Collective Conscious, a show that is created to give space where your voice, ideas, and informed opinions can be heard, appreciated, and yay, debated. I am Michael Eric Owens. And I'm DT. Man, and we are back in Black Studios. Back once again. Man, I just want to welcome all our listeners, man, from across the globe. Uh, tuning in with us and uh, we're so excited uh, to today for today's show license to kill <laughs> man I, I i can tell you it's been uh it's been real hot on social media and uh yeah, you've been in the, on the battleground <laughs> man on the facebook battlefield i think i took some some uh there might be some kinks in the armor on this one <laughs> uh it, it it got hot and uh for good reason and um and we're going to get into that today folks we we again we we're so happy that you are here with us i mean with the death of uh terrence crutcher i mean it calls into question the promises of America, D. I mean, what, what promises, Mike? Man, well, first, I mean, yeah, of course we we've been promised, right? Well, like but Dr. Have, King said, right? Have anybody uh, made good on on those promises? And that's, a, I mean, that's the question. You know, uh, that's the challenges. And uh, Dr. King talked about how uh, that uh, it was time for America to pay up, but they had delivered uh, insufficient funds, right? Um, a check that was worthy of nothing. But there are some promises that we're going to get into because I, I want us today to paint this dichotomy that exists in our society. I mean, I, can, can, we, can we continue to deny the pro- police brutality against black folks in this country? I mean, can, can we continue to can we? Yeah, can we? Yes. In light of everything that we see, in light of everything that we hear, I mean, there are some protections. And these protections, and, and, and what we want to do, folks, we want to go down memory lane, right? We want to go down the historical lane of the past because there are some promises that were given to black folk in this country that yet to have come to fruition. We're talking about the reconstruction time period from 1865 to 1877, D, when we had what they call the reconstruction amendments, amendments 13, 14, and 15. And and, uh, why why we're going to talk about – some of these amendments, we want to focus in on the 14th Amendment, okay? We had, of course, the 13th, uh, as I said, the 14th and the 15th Amendment, which I considered the Reconstruction Amendments. 13th Amendment abolished slavery, got rid of it, right? Supposedly. In that, in that form. 
<laughs> got rid of it. Uh, we're no longer in chains. Um, the 14th Amendment is where we're going to spend some of our time today addressing citizenship and the equal protection of the law for all citizens. And then just for your knowledge, the 15th Amendment uh, prohibited uh, discrimination and voting rights of citizens based on race, color, or previous condition of servitude. <laughs> Man, you know, it, what, what, what initially, and I want to hear some from our folks that are listening, but initially what sticks out in my mind that in all of those areas, right, you can make a case that that's still happening today, right? Mass inca- incarceration. Yes, right? sir. You know, we talked about in, in episodes in the past about convict leasing and Jim Crowism and redlining. Redlining, exactly, in housing discrimination and so forth. We can actually say that although these amendments in the <laughs> mid 19th century uh, were adopted, we're still struggling, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're still haven't seen the true reality of this. And this plays a huge part, D, in um, the 14th Amendment. Equal protection of the law, right? For everybody. Is there equal protection For all of the law? people. The Constitution requiring that states guarantee the same rights, privilege, and protection. Protection. You talked about it. In episodes past, when we talked about a vulnerable people, about how we're unprotected in just about every aspect of our lives. We talked a little bit about that this week, man. Let's yeah, speak to that. And it's kind of scary. I talked about us um, having this discussion on episode one of this podcast. <laughs> what is this? 70. What is it, man? 70 what? 77. 77. So from episode one to 77. We also see some regression there, right? Because nothing has changed. Um, and there have been no safe spaces for us to live, you know, since our existence on this on this planet and in, in the um in the care of our uh European brothers and sisters. No safe place. Imagine that. Imagine being a citizen of this country. Imagine for a moment being raised in America with the idea that there is no safe place for you. Even in your own house. You know, we, we, we think that we're relatively safe there. But there is no safe place. Right. And so unless you want to confine yourself to your house or, you know, uh, pretty much uh, live in solitude, even that don't guarantee you. Um, safety, but you may be in a better situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of sad to think about having to live that way just to say, you know, I'm going to see tomorrow. Absolutely. And Elisa com- comments that there is no law for all citizens. No, that's true, baby. There ain't no law for all citizens. But we act as if there is, right? Yeah, it's kind of a, like a superficial grace. Um, it's, you know, it's these platitudes that we use. America is great. Right. America has always been great. That's the argument, because I, I, I made a post that said uh, America not so beautiful. Oh, Mike. What happened? Why did you do that? How could you do that? <laughs> I mean, uh, 
And I'm sure you got positive responses, right? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, uh, people uh, got upset. Uh, some defended uh, the quote. Um, but, the, the, but, but the loss in the fantasy world, in the warped reality, in the utopia of American skewed history, some folks are living there. And some folks are saying if he had just obeyed the officer, obey, that was her words. If he had just obeyed me, do what I say, do a grown man obey somebody? Do you do I obey some? I'm a grown man. I almost said something. Richard, I'm a grown man. I'm obey somebody. You know, the 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 obey the law. That's like a common running theme, though, right? Well, obey the law is different from obeying a person. If he had a obeyed me. Yes, sir, master. Yes, sir, master. Did you think, yes, I can get for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you want yes, some, some drink? You know, it's, it, is the, it is the childlike image of a black man. And because we're going to show you today that there's a double standard here. That, that plenty white men... Shoot at white cops. Pull out guns on white cops. Play games all day with police officers. Okay. And they don't get killed. They don't get murdered. Okay. Your boy Dylan Roof, he killed nine people. Said he was hungry. They they arrested him and took him to Burger King. They didn't kill him. <clears throat> Let a black man kill nine people. And see if they take him to Burger King. They even put the crown on his head, I think. Gave him a little toy and everything. I don't think Burger King had Happy Meals. What they call them? You know? <laughs> Man, somebody, maybe one of our listeners know what the, what the uh, it's not the Happy Meal, it's something. <laughs> but folks, listen, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to get into this thing deep because we have a serious problem. When we see, when we, and you know what, and, and I'm going to say this. You know, I don't I don't want to make this a black thing. I want to make this a human thing. But I cannot ignore what is happening to people draped in black skin. So we cannot run and say this is not a black thing. And that's it's kind of crazy that that's always the the defense that you're making it racial. Oh yeah. You know, you Oh man, you focusing on that race stuff again. You in the oh, past. Man, you, you always talking about black, man. <laughs> but, you know, when you, when you think about it and you look at the numbers and you look at all statistics and all these things, you know, what what is the information, what is the data telling us about black life and black bodies? Mm, mm. Alisa, again, say obeying her was not the issue. If you heard her comments to her partner prior to the shooting, she had made up her mind he was guilty and dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. We talked about, well, I think I said her um, seeing him in the same fear that she would see like a grizzly bear. Yeah. You know? And so, I mean, that that attitude, that persona, that way of per- perceptual, I mean, perceiving someone mm-hmm. else as, as dangerous, um, it's, uh, it's quite, quite fearful. And we're going to get into, we're going to break down the incident, the reaction, and the outcome. Folks, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 
Hey, this is your boy Frog. I'm here with Chris, Justin, and Philip, and we host Turn On The Game, the podcast. The show consists of four men commentating on the sports world. It's strictly opinion shows as if you were sitting on the couch watching a game with your boys. And you can follow us on Twitter at TurnOnThe underscore game. You can hit us up on our Facebook page at TurnOnTheGame. And you can even follow us on Instagram at TurnOnTheGame. Or you can listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher by searching Turn On The Game. You can email us at TurnOnTheGame, the number four at gmail.com. Turn On The Game is sponsored by Blackened Studios, Oklahoma City's premier podcasting studio. Turn On. This is Dr. Laura Jalat, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to the One Mic, One Voice show. Welcome back, folks. Okay, Deadly Force. Now, law enforcement, you know what? I am tired of people telling me all cops ain't bad. We're the good cops. Where's the outrage? Now, we're going to bring out some, some former cops. But there is a police culture that is corrupt. It is not about black and white police officers. It's about the code of blue, right? Those who stand behind that badge. Those who coalesce around and also lie for each other. Man, they don't. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. The, the a good old boy system. It is a good old boy and girl system. The law enforcement oath, D. Huh? On my honor, I will never betray my badge. That is true. My integrity. I don't know about that. My character or the public trust. I will always have the courage to hold myself and others accountable for their action. Now, this is this is their oath. I will always uphold the Constitution, my community, and the agency I serve. Now, we, we talked about the Constitution. Let's take a look at this for a moment. The Constitution says that as a minority, black and brown folk, we have the same protection under the law, right? That's what the Constitution said. But they stand up there, put their hand up and say, guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to uphold the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Uh, You fail there. My community. Let me ask you, what is the relationship between minority folk and the police in their community? Oh, they have several songs about it. (laughs) I don't ever heard of it. It starts with F the police. (laughs) Oh, I mean, man. I mean, but I mean, that's that's a community, you know, that has that that, uh, you know, perception of police officers. But I mean, that seems to be the norm for most people to not have a positive uh, experience with police. I've never had a positive experience with a police officer and I've had many of them. Let me say this. Did you see that that uh, Charles Barkley special on race? I haven't checked okay. it out yet. Now, I'm not a fan of Charles anyway. I think when it comes to basketball, he probably you know, uh, is definitely an expert when it comes to race. I think he needs to sit down and be quiet. But because he said so, you know, he called the the people in Ferguson thugs and so forth. But he did this thing for, um, I believe it was for TNT, this thing on race. And he went driving around with um, this one police officer. 
and what the what that video showed and what Charles noticed is that whenever the cops pulled up, people scattered, man. Mm-hmm. They were in the wind. They were like, gone. I, I you know, if 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 I'm standing out and I see the police pull up, I'm going the opposite direction. Cause really I don't want to have nothing to do with you. Because Everything I see, every encounter I see you have with someone that looks like me, it don't end up too good, mm-hmm. man. Okay, so uh, I will always, not always. sometimes, always uphold the Constitution, my community, and the agency I serve. Well, I, you, 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 let me tell you what they do do. Okay. They true to the agency they serve. They uh, honor, they don't betray their badge. They don't betray their badge. They, they, they come around that badge, man. They, 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 they hover li- around blue that lives. badge. Blue lives matter. Huh? You can say blue lives matter, but if I say black lives matter, people say, oh, my God, what are you talking about? Black you know, black lives matter <laughs> is a racist movement. How's it a racist movement, right? How's it a racist movement, Right. I mean, we got another comment. Obeying her was not the issue. Oh, I'm sorry, up top. You have to make it a black thing, says Elisa. We cannot sit back and pretend that black folks are not being targeted, even though it's 2017, law enforcement views have not changed in a 100 years. Now, you know what, and I'm going to tell you, Alisa is speaking to the same thing you spoke to just, um, I want to say, this morning. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, uh, and, I, and, I even, and I text back to you, um, you said that nothing has changed, language, procedure, or perception. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed. So even going back to what we talked about earlier, this word obey, you know, that's like a, a historical uh, term that's been used amongst police officers when trying to get um, people to, quote unquote, comply with uh, things that are being said to them. And so even that, even the way that we go about a police interaction between an officer and a civilian or whatever, those things are pretty much routine. You know, the way that all officers handle it, you even hear when they're when they're talking amongst each other. Uh, well, if he just would have did what she said, or she just would have did what he said, or he did what he said, you know. I mean, we had that episode, Comply or Die. And that's that goes back to you talking about them defending the badge, because um, no matter what, they're all speaking the same language, you know. And rather it's working or not, that's the only reference point they have to conduct <sighs> themselves. Nothing has changed. Why do we think? It's something different when everything is still the same. It's, it, it has this criminality has been associated with black consciousness forever. Okay. Thug, lazy, violent. Those have been associated. Nothing has changed. It is. Trust me, folks, we have to call it what it is. It's a black thing. It's a black thing. It's a minority thing. It's a black and brown 
thing. Let's let's let's. I want to listen to this uh, clip we got here, folks. And this is a former police officer talking about the condition of police culture. The two fatal shootings are just the latest in a long list of incidents that resulted in the deaths of black people at the hands of police officers. As Mike Drolet explains, it has been more than 50 years since the civil rights movement, but race relations is still a major issue in the U.S. It all seems so familiar. The protests, the calls to action, the anger. I'm And she's speaking for a growing number of Americans who are asking how this keeps on happening. This week it was Louisiana and Minnesota, in 2014 Ferguson, Missouri, in 2015 Charleston, South Carolina, Chicago, and on and on. These things don't only happen when they get caught on camera. So this is something that happens all the time. So when you see this happen on camera again and again and again, it's like, wow. The statistics actually prove there hasn't been an increase in police-related deaths involving blacks over the past three years. We're just seeing more because of cell phone cameras. But the issue is real, and the statistics are damning. In 2015, a Louisville study looked at 93 fatal shootings in the U.S. involving unarmed people. Of those, 40% were black. Put another way, blacks were seven times more likely than unarmed white men to be shot and killed. Race does play a factor, that there's implicit bias going on where officers may perceive black suspects to be a greater threat or to be more prone to having committed a crime. And that suggests a much deeper societal problem. In the U.S., whites make up 63% of the population, blacks 12%. Yet in the prison system, 37% are black, 34% white race 50 years after the civil rights movement is still a hot button issue and it's not just victims families screaming for change ohio police officer nakia jones couldn't stay silent anymore it bothers me when i hear people say y'all police officers this y'all police officers that if you are white and you working in a black community and you are racist you need to be ashamed of yourself we've seen this anger before but in louisiana and minnesota no doubt they're asking if this is the ending or just another chapter. Mike Drolet, Global News, Toronto. The system is operating at a moral deficit, and that deficit is built on the institutional racism that is at its foundation. Let me, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about to weave that into what you showed the viewers earlier um, and show you what I mean. Department, almost half a century. I can't name a single black officer that has ever shot at an unarmed white person. I can't name a single black officer that has ever shot at a white person, period. So restraint is possible, right. even in dangerous situations, even when you face risk that you've been trained in simulated environments to face. Restraint is possible, but it is black lives that are freely discarded in our process, and it is black lives that get triggers pulled on them, whether it's warranted or not, with zero expectation of accountability. And that is what's going to change, I think, in the powerful movement that you've seen young people build out around the nation a new development that you can anticipate because I've been a part of conversations around it is that blacks and Hispanics and people from marginalized communities who work in the criminal justice system, including police officers, prosecuting attorneys, defense attorneys, corrections officers who work in that system will join together to collectively make an effort to remake it, not reform it, because I believe that the system is functioning exactly as it was meant to be. Okay. Um, interesting. So, uh, 
it the system is working exactly the way it was created to mm-hmm. remake the system. I want to come back to that, but the statistical data is pretty clear on this issue, right? I would say so. Um, I even even listened to him talk about how black officers respond to um, white people or you know whatever. I know that even. Um, that officer knows that he'll be judged differently um, if the, if it do be if it should be the case that they're shooting at white kids or white people or whatever, uh, and also that that labeling of criminality also plays a part in that um, because he'll he'll be he'll be judged according to that. Uh, what if we had a secession of black officers shooting white teens? Yeah. What would that look like? This whole narrative would be different. Okay. I think even the whole. Um, what What if Tamir Rice was white and he had the BB gun and two black officers pulled up and just executed him? What What you, What do you think the the outcry would be? It's interesting, <laughs> right? When we create yeah. that picture, mm-hmm. what about um um. Was it uh, Eric Gardner, one that was choked out? Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Wasn't it him? What if, what if it was all black officers that choked out a white guy and he was yelling, "I can't breathe"? What 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 would that be like? Huh? You think we would be saying blue lives matter? You think we would be saying we need to support our police? Mm-hmm. Okay. What about the y- young gentleman? Uh, in Chicago that was just walking, right? He was just walking and he was shot down. You remember the tape that came out later on where the officer said that um, that the the black mm-hmm. man had attacked him? Mm-hmm. What if that was a white guy and the tape came out and the black officers now had said that they were attacked by him, but the tape came out and shown that he was like 20 feet away when he was shot, right? Mm-hmm. Walter Scott. What if Walter Scott was white and he wrestled with a black police officer and he ran away from the black police officer, but the black police officer shot him six times in his back? What do you think that conversation would be like? I'm I'm hoping that our listeners are asking themselves those questions. That's a double standard, folks. We can see (laughs) how, how can we take a mass murderer? to Burger King that has it's proven that he, he that he killed these people sat in Bible study maybe even read a little scripture following maybe, along with the word maybe even sung a little song Lord huh and then when they got ready to leave he executed them right but no, we can we can take him in and and we can take him to get something to eat and somehow he's alive. Wow. That's t- to me if you can't see this double standard. Man, I don't I don't I, see D there's got to be a place where we start, right? It's like just take a couple, right? A couple that's arguing. And if they don't never like sit down and and agree that there's a problem. <laughs> Right. Their relationship is forever going to be jacked up. Mm-hmm. See, America, we can't sit down. 
And that's funny because that's the thing. Like, we're, we're going to be in this relationship a long time, you know? Like, neither of us is going anywhere. We've bought the house, uh, <laughs> got the kids. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to be around for a while. So, it, as like as you're saying, you know, there has to be a starting place for at least for us to come to the table and say, hey, honey, look, we ain't been seeing eye to eye all these years. And, I mean, we got the kids coming up and... I uh, just want to make sure everything's everything's good for for them, you know, at least. But I'm unhappy. I'm, I'm just I'm not feeling it right now. You know, is there anything we can do to just you know kind of hash this out? You got to acknowledge, right? You have to acknowledge that there is an issue, and if if you don't do that, if we don't come to grips with that, we go nowhere. And that's why that's why when when we're talking about these issues, like this woman came on Facebook the other day and said we're complaining. You know what? Solange has a song out, right? You know who Solange is? Who? Solange. Beyonce's little sister. Nah, bro. Oh, wow. Okay. Don't show no love to her. But anyway, she has this song called Mad on her album, right? And she's Mm -hmm. like going through this this whole thing about being angry. And she says she goes up to this girl. She's like, why are you always complaining? Why are you always... Um, blaming, you know, why are you always so mad? And then at the end, she's like, you know, I got a lot to be mad about. And then by the end of the song, she's saying, you know, I don't have the right to be mad. Mm. And after I was hearing the first lady on the video, it reminded me of that because even when we express our anger, it come off as complaining, you blaming somebody else. Uh, it's yeah. not realistic. Yeah. Um, and it shows you that there's really not a place for you to express your anger, Absolutely. for you to be mad, a space for you to be expressing that part of yourself to have disdain for what your, what your circumstance is without somebody also coming to you and saying, hey, man, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps or you, you need gotta to get over it. Or like 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 I was told, I need to direct my energy in a different place. How are you going to tell me where to direct my energy at? This is a problem. And, and DT, you're exactly right. The issue is, is that there's no space where you can be heard, where your voice can be heard, where people can really listen to you and try to understand where that pain comes from. They're not listening. When, when I'm trying to tell you, my experience, and you say America's great. When I say America's uh, not so beautiful, you said, "What do you mean? America's great?" What I said to this person is, "You should have asked me why. Hmm. Why did I? Why do I think America is not so beautiful? Why don't you ask me that instead of telling me what America is? Because you're telling me what America is to you. Hmm. That's fine, but don't don't make your reality my reality. That's where the problem comes at." That's when you're marginalized. You know, that's why we have that's why we have rampant sexism in our country today. That's how we can marginalize women, because we're saying we want you to be what we want you to be. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you don't you can't privilege. have your own thoughts. You can't have your own desires. You can't live the way that you want to live simply because. We don't want you to be that way. Alisa goes on to say, you know what the answer is. There is no justice for the innocent. Well, dead dead men don't talk. You know, uh, Shelby said that she was elated and proud in her jury. It was her jury. Crutcher didn't have a jury. Hmm. Dead men don't tell tales, brother. Can't say a word. Listen, there is no justice 
for the innocent. No justice for the innocent. Folks, hang in. We're going we, we gonna to take a break. We're getting a little deeper. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Roxy Davis. And this is Deborah Burris. And we are the Roxy by Design Show. Our show is designed to bring healing as we share our stories while God redesigns our lives. So take a ride with us. So you can find us at Podbean, iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter, and blackandstudios.com. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the Roxy by Design Show. You have a blessed day. And we love you. This is DT of the One Mic, One Voice podcast. just want to let you guys know you can go to iTunes and search us at One Mic, One Voice and be sure to rate and review our episodes. Let us know about any feedback that you have and what you enjoy about the episodes. Also, you can go over to Stitcher where you can get the latest and freshest episodes of our podcast. Stream directly to your smartphone or iPad. No downloading or syncing. How cool. Real smooth. Also, we just like to take the time to thank you for your time and for your energy and for spending time with us as we discuss the historical record of our time. Welcome back, folks. Listen, there is a history. Let me say that again. A history of police brutality toward black folks. Roll that, Richard. As the verdict approaches for Darren Wilson, the Ferguson, Missouri police officer who shot and killed 18-year-old Michael Brown, the city continues to protest what they argue to be an unfair, trigger-happy police force and a war zone reaction to civilian protests. Unfortunately, this is far from the first time we've heard this story in America. Los Angeles, 1991. Rodney King, a 25-year-old black man, refuses to pull over after he's flagged for speeding. After a high-speed chase, four police officers surround him and severely beat him. Security footage sparks mass public outrage. Despite that, all four officers are acquitted of excessive force charges and residents riot in south-central L.A., causing millions of dollars in damage, thousands of injuries, and 53 deaths. New York, 2006. Sean Bell is drunk at his bachelor party. After an altercation outside a nightclub is misinterpreted by police, Bell and two friends are shot 50 times, killing Bell and severely injuring the others. Mass protests follow, and despite outcry, all officers tried for the shooting are acquitted. San Francisco, 2009. Oscar Grant is involved in a drunk scuffle on a BART train late on New Year's night. Police respond and detain Grant and several friends. An unarmed Grant resists his subduer, despite being kept prone. An officer on the scene shoots him in the back, in front of dozens of witnesses, some of whom are videotaping the incident. Grant dies in the hospital a few hours later. The community immediately galvanizes to demonstrate against the police's conduct. The officer serves two years in prison and is now out on parole. The events inspire the 2013 film Fruitvale Station. Sanford, Florida, 2012. 17-year-old Trayvon Martin is walking home from a convenience store. Neighborhood watch coordinator George Zimmerman believes Martin looks suspicious. After he calls the police, Zimmerman approaches Martin. The two struggle, and Zimmerman fatally shoots and kills the unarmed teenager. Protests spread across the country, with figures like Al Sharpton and President Obama lending their voices in disdain for Florida's stand-your-ground laws, which to this date have not been changed. I just ask people to consider If Trayvon Martin was of age and armed, 
could he have stood his ground on that sidewalk? Ferguson, Missouri, 2014. Michael Brown and a friend are walking in the middle of the street. Officer Darren Wilson orders Brown and his friend off the street. A struggle ensues through the officer's truck's window, and a gunshot sends Brown running. Wilson pursues and shoots Brown six times. Protests, both violent and peaceful, erupt in Ferguson. Eventually, police deploy in military fashion, using non-lethal beanbag rounds to control protests and injuring several children in the process. Federal and state governments decide to take a second look at the over-militarization of police. Brown's death and the resulting chaos in Ferguson are milestones in the momentum these cases have gained. Outcry is louder on both sides, and while the government pledges to consider reform to police policy and state law, it seems like these stories have become depressingly predictable. If a white male teen was involved in the same kind of scenario, that from top to bottom, uh, both the outcome uh, and the aftermath might have been different. How many more times can the country withstand a tragic shooting, a muddy trial, and the resulting chaos? How many more times can the country endure a shooting, a death, a trial of innocent black and brown people. How many more times? You know, back on a few a few episodes back, I was asking us, uh, by what episode do you think it would be <laughs> that we wouldn't be talking about this stuff? And at the time, I think I projected maybe, you know, 50 uh, yeah, we're at seventy-seven. We're at seventy-seven, and I think we'll be at two thousand and seventy-seven before. because it's never ending. Because as you said, nothing has changed. Elisa goes on to say, "You gentlemen talk about how angry you are, and when you speak your mind, people don't like it." I say, "Men like you help white folks like me to educate others as myself. If we can get enough folks of all color." To convince law enforcement to change their policies, maybe we can save one life. Mm. Man. That's kind of deep, right? It is deep. Mm -hmm. It is deep. It's the reality. If, if, I mean, because the, the culture again is corrupt, right? How many times are we going to see officers being acquitted? All right. We're going to talk about one here coming up just in a few seconds few minutes what's what's interesting is that um you know she used the word you know convince law enforcement to change you know like by what method of convincing is is now necessary because it seems like we've seen every scenario um innocent uh hands up hands back hands down you know you know how do we get that picture across to our law enforcement not necessarily uh convincing them but to realize a reality that has been going on for a long time and really take a stand on this thing. Yeah, the word convincing is interesting. Um, I think right along I mean, with, the police officers work for us, right? No, they don't. They don't? No, they don't. Are they supposed to? Uh, theoretically, they are. They have a license to kill. They don't work for us. It's hunting season for them. Uh, that's I think that's the the failure 
of how we analyze and look at this. You hear they're they're here to protect and to serve. Since when? The brother said in the video, which is so true, it, 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 even in the in the statistical data, it says that not more of us are being killed by cops mm-hmm. today than in the past. The difference is there's just a camera. Mm-hmm. They have always been killing us. That's so, so this idea that somehow, somewhere, at some point in time in history, <laughs> that they served and protected us is the biggest lie out there. I mean, so and given that, I would also argue that we've been kind of tricked into thinking that things are going to get better. You know, there that there's some aspect of progress that's supposed to be made when in our history we've seen regressions throughout. And this may be another one of those periods where we're going backwards and and not going forward. Well, I obviously I, I would agree we're we're not going forward. Uh I would say we're stuck in time hmm. because uh it it has always been this way, right? Um, you know, what usually brings about change is pressure. And um, we have yet to unite enough pressure on the police culture to make a difference. Now, what would change this system up rather quickly is to see some officers being tried for first-degree murder, being put on death row and executed. So there is no accountability. Like 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 he said in that video, officers call that a vacation, a paid vacation. I'm going on a paid mm-hmm. vacation. And so when that occurs, wow. You know, I mean man, you just kill somebody, you you don't value their life anyway. And um and and uh Elisa responds to your comment, DT. She says, what I'm trying to say is if law enforcement treats whites different, then those same whites should stand up for African-Americans and maybe something someone will listen. (laughs) But they're not going to do it. Well, and, and, you know, I'm going to say this. She is so correct. I mean, Elisa and others like her, um, if you look at my thread, there were plenty white people going in. I mean, going in like, you know, they have their hand on the pulse. They understand what's going on in America. Um, I I think what has happened is our white brothers and sisters have yet to figure out how to galvanize that much energy against an issue like this. Right. We've seen the women's march. Right. We've seen them come together. Um, We have yet to see that cross section of black and white uh and mainly white right brothers and sisters coming together for this cause in a very i think large way that makes an impact that makes a statement right because she's exactly correct it is a privileged class that's got to that's got to coalesce around Folks like you and I mm-hmm. that are trying to move this conversation forward, that are trying to put the pressure and the awareness of what's going on, not just now, but what has historically went on in our country. I just want to say something right quick, and then I want to move to, toward Tulsa. But let me say this. It is okay in our country for a white man to carry a gun with a license. 
a white man can walk out with a shotgun on, AR-15, we've seen it in the Bundys, right, when they took over the federal building, right? Um, They even did an interview with a shotgun. I mean, he was interviewed talking about they weren't going to leave the, the government building and how – how far the government had extended their powers and this thing. Nobody. But what if black, what if we right now, me and you, scrapped on AR-15s and we're licensed to carry and go walking out right over there on that on cue, what you think would happen? I think somebody may offer <laughs> us a coffee. Uh, somebody may say, hey, Mike, uh, lovely weather we're having, right? <laughs> Two dangerous yeah. black guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, folks, listen. I want to turn to Tulsa. I want to turn to this officer, Shelby. This one that was acquitted of murdering, executing Terrence Crutcher. Take a listen to his family. It's from my granddaughter. And it says, Jojo, that lady killed my daddy. And in response to that, I told her, God is still in control. And you remember that. I have four grandchildren that are at home now that has lost their daddy. I said that I would accept whatever the verdict was, and I'm going to do that. And let it be known that I believe in my heart that Betty Shelby got away with murder. And I don't know what was in the mind of that jury, how they could come to that conclusion. There was precise evidence that said she was guilty. This is definitely a tough pill to swallow. The facts were there. All the elements of manslaughter was there. Terrence's hands were up. Terrence was not an imminent threat. Terrence did not attack her. Terrence did not charge at her. Terrence was not the aggressor. Betty Shelby was the aggressor. Betty Shelby had the gun. Betty Shelby was following him with his hands up. Betty Shelby murdered my brother. And after she murdered my brother, all of the officers involved with the Tulsa Police Department tried to cover for her. What I got out of this case is that a cover-up was exposed. A cover-up was exposed. And they walked by my brother to go check on Betty Jo. In the last few breaths, of my brother's life, he laid there alone. And nobody held his hand. Nobody said, Terrence, or, or hey, are you okay? He had to lay there alone. And these are officers who are paid to serve and protect us. Paid to serve and protect us. They're paid. <laughs> Not to serve and protect us. Pay vacations, baby. That's that's the lie, right? The voices of injustice. Um, another comment here uh, uh, from one of our white listeners. 
says, Dear white people, this is a quote um, that um, she's uh, posting. Dear white people, no one is asking you to apologize for your ancestors. We're asking you to dismantle the system of oppression that build the system of oppression they built that you maintain and benefit from. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. As somebody who recognizes privilege. Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks. <laughs> and you know what's funny, Mike, is that even even you putting that, that post out about, you know, America not being so beautiful, uh, the fact that people are so ready to uh, defend an idea, you know, without, you know, breaking it down and kind of getting to the why of why you may have said something like that. It's just a testament to how ignorant um, some people really are to what's happening out here. It's like, how could you not see America in this, you know, yellow brick road, beautiful streets paved in gold type place? Everybody has the same opportunity. Mm -hmm. One uh, person piped in uh, on that thread. And I, I asked the question, took him a long time to answer it. Well, when was the last time you've been through a black community? Or been to a minority school. When I said, why won't you answer my question? Why won't you? I know he, he's living in an affluent area. Hey, Mike, ask me that question. Oh, I know you've been through Friday. One. Yeah, Friday. <laughs> right? Last week. We, we, know, this whole we, year. We, we know the difference. We see the difference. We experience the difference. You see, there is. There, see, this is what, what I want my non-socially conscious white brothers and sisters to understand. Mainly as black people, we live in two worlds. Mm-hmm. We live in a, a black world and a white world. We see the difference. Our non-socially conscious white brothers and sisters live in one world, a white world. And in that world, you don't see what we see. That's why I said to him, come to come with me. Let me take you to this other world. Oh, they don't want that. I don't know. No, America's great. Well, let's see where America's not so great at. Right. Let's go where poverty is high. Let's 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 go. Matter of fact, let's take a trip to the and, 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 and visit some brothers in prison. See, it's it's a world that they don't see. And if you don't see it and if you don't experience, it's easy to be in denial. Out of sight, out of mind. It is easy to be in denial. But let me say this. The list, D, goes on and on. And I, I again, I don't I don't want to. You know, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but Eric Gardner. Dontre Hamilton, John Crawford, the third, Ezell Ford, Michael Brown, Dante Parker, Tanasha Anderson, Romaine Brisbane, Tamir Rice. 
Tony Robinson. Jeremy Reed. Philip White. Man. Eric Harris. Freddie Gray. Walter Scott. Now, just imagine for a moment, right? Well, let me say one more name. Terrence Crutcher. Mm. Names of black, unarmed black men killed at the hands of those who are called to, quote, unquote, serve and protect. These are just the ones we know about. <laughs> uh, the list is longer than yeah. that. We just we just kind of went through the list and picked some names. and mm-hmm. But all of them are ten toes up. All of them are dead. Gone. History. All of them were demonized at their trial. Called thugs, crooks, criminals. You see, blacks are not protected. But our white counterparts are. Listen. So I hear all the time about Second Amendment rights. And, Cenk, you don't understand. We need our guns. We need the good guys with uh, guns to protect us from the bad guys from guns and to protect us from the government. Now, uh, last night when Philando Castile had a licensed weapon and he was pulled over for a busted taillight, and he told the officer, just like he's supposed to, a good card-carrying gun owner, he said, officer, I have a licensed weapon here. Okay, great. Uh, officer, of course, flipped out because he's black and uh, said, no, 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 okay, now. He said, go, now, show me your ID. And he goes to show him his ID and the cop shoots Wait a minute, I, where's the NRA? They should be screaming from the rooftops today. Philando Castile should be their new, new hero. He should be their uh, poster boy for how the jackbooted thugs of the government will shoot and kill people with perfectly legal right to carry arms. That, uh, he was exercising his Second Amendment rights. Instead, what have I heard from conservatives for the last 24 hours? Well, of course the cop shot him. He had a gun. And then I heard, oh, well, if white people have a gun in similar situations, well, of course they're going to be shot too. Really? Now, I remember a lot of people on the Clive and Bundy ranch. I remember them pointing guns at cops. I don't remember them getting shot. Now, they were so brazen, so over the top, so used to threatening uh, assault and murder of police officers and pointing guns at police officers. Eventually, in Oregon, one of the guys associated with the Bundy guys came out, was giving enormous amount of time walking around with a gun in his uh, pocket, a gun that he had threatened to murder cops with before and finally was shot. One. The rest, all heavily armed, taken into custody, no problems, nobody's shot. That guy was given all the time in the world. The Clive and Bundy people were given years. Tamir Rice was given two seconds. And he was a 12-year-old boy. And he didn't have a gun on him. He had a toy gun. But they never bothered asking. So now we've seen over and over again, Alton Sterling, just a day ago, uh, well, he might have had a gun. Did it? Was it in his hand? No. Were there three cops on top of him? Yes. Was one gu- uh, cop pointing a gun right at his chest? Yes. But it's a black guy who might have a gun. Boom, 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 boom. Put him down. Put him down. Two seconds flat. Another shooting in, in a Walmart in Ohio. That one, I think, took six seconds before he was killed. I think he was shot in three seconds and killed in six seconds. Now, I'm told, no, 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 white people... If they got their hand on a gun, 
<laughs> cops are going to put them down. Or what if they're walking around with rifles and the cops are in the vicinity? They're going to put them down right away. Two seconds, two seconds flat. Because there's no such thing as a difference between white and black people in America. Really? Well, let's take a look at this clip. Okay. Any last you saw him was right in front of the Dairy Queen? Uh, yes, I'm watching right now, just from down the street, directly in front of the Dairy Queen. I can have someone to block down Court Street from the east and the west, please. Hey, partner, how you doing? We're on fire channel, do you have traffic? Can you set that down real quick and talk to me? Mm-hmm. Place the weapon down on the ground, please. Mm-hmm. Place the weapon down on the ground. Place the weapon down on the ground, please. Place the weapon down on the ground. I just want to talk to you. you I just want to talk to you walking around here scaring people, man. I understand your rights, and I'm not trying I'm not trying to violate your rights. What's your name, bud? What's that? Joe Schmo? Okay. Guy crosses his legs, not a care in the world. That took a long time. And look at that, they didn't have to put him down. Now, I'm not saying they should have shot that guy. I don't want them shooting that guy. I also don't want them shooting unarmed black men. I want the same standard. Now, I've seen all the video, I've shown you all the video of how they treat uh, black men in America, even if they don't have a gun, or it's a toy gun, or God forbid it's a real gun, even if they're not anywhere near it. Okay. So in that case, it's a white guy. Hey, partner, how you doing? You remember all the cases we showed you where cops come up to armed black guys and go, hey, partner, how you doing? And then he goes on to say, no, I'm not trying to violate your rights. Now, if you're an African-American in this country, how many times have the cops walked up to you when you're armed and go, hey, I'm not trying to violate your rights? They're always telling you about your rights, right, and how they don't want to violate them. They're always so polite like that. And, oh, my God. Alton Sterling might be somewhere near a gun. Hey, uh, uh, Philando Castile is a licensed uh, gun owner. He tells the officers he hasn't pulled it. He doesn't have it, right? Nah, but he's got to go. Killed within seconds. This guy, I'm not trying to violate. Hey, partner. Hey, partner, how you doing? And then they walk up to him as that rifle is right next to him. They didn't even pull their gun. They're like, no, no, it's a white guy. We don't have to pull our guns. Kill him. No way. No way. Hey, partner. You really think black people are treated the same way in this country? And you're really going to tell me, oh, white people are shot at the same rate that black people are? First of all, that's just not a fact. The fact is, uh, unarmed, let alone armed, five times more likely to get shot if you're unarmed, if you're black, as opposed to white. Okay? I got many more videos where that came from. Now, in this case... Uh, the guy's eventually going to get shot. Let's see if it's within two seconds. And remember, for Laquan McDonald, I think they shot him 16 times in 13 seconds. And, and in the case of Castile last night, they shot him uh, reports of three, four, or five times 
So let's call it four. Oh, well, hey, look, I can't take any risks with my life. So if I go to shoot, I've got to shoot to kill. With Alton Sterling, the night before, uh, they shoot him. It's boom, boom, boom. Then we wait a couple of seconds. We see it in the video. And then boom, 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 boom again. And, and at the end, he's got no gun in his hands. Because they can't take any chances. Unless it's a white guy, in which case they can take many chances. Let's watch. Watch as the man in the red shirt and shorts walks with his hands up to his car. He gets in, then emerges with this. Gone! Police officers immediately shout out a warning that he's armed, then take cover. Dave Street saw it as it happened. He got out of his car and he's waving his gun around, pointing all around everywhere. He pointed at the helicopter. Okay. So, uh, you know, then uh, boom, was shot from the rifle. The man went down, and for more than a half hour, police tried to convince him to move away from the gun. And they couldn't approach him after they had him down because he still had the gun. Finally, he got up from a seated position and walked to the shade of a nearby tree. Police slowly moved in and took him into custody, later telling reporters they'd been summoned to Deanza Cove by a caller who said the man had a weapon and wanted to kill himself. When it's a black teenager, two seconds. Okay, okay, okay. And, and, and that video, if you're one of our patrons, account uh members you can watch the entire video um i i i just want to show you we just wanted to show you the difference here that somehow and there there's there's many more i mean you just google it for yourself there there's cases where white men have shot at cops and they've chased them down okay and arrested them why does it have to be the end of a minority person's life when they encounter when they have an encounter with a police officer whether they have a gun or they don't have a gun why what 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 is it out there that that makes me dt rich we're dangerous we're going to hurt you. Officer Shelby said, I was afraid for my life. I have been never been that afraid in my life. The man was walking away from you, fool. I have never been afraid of a man walking away from me. Do you? And, and plus, you had your gun drawn. You saw no weapon. You saw no. What were you afraid of? Oh, her husband said it. Big black dude. He's a big black dude. See? No, he said it looks like a bad dude. Looks like a bad dude. Okay. Okay. Why? How did he look like a bad dude? Oh, because he was black. That was a big black part I was talking about. (laughs) So that's it, right? That's it. Your very skin tone, the perception of who you are. Puts a bullseye on you. If you're white, let the sun go, you're all right. You're black, brown, brown, you stick around. If you're black, step back. The reality is we are being murdered in the city streets. 
simply because of the color of our skin. Steel. Steel. So what so so D, what what do we what do we do? What do we do? Elisa says Eric Gardner was the worst act of cruelty with so many people standing around as he yelled for help and his and his pleas fell on deaf ears. I think that that comment right there kind of explains your question. And with all those eyes around and with all the, um, you know, different people who could have uh, intervened or, you know, de-escalated the situation, we've seen a man get murdered live. And so, I mean, what do you do when we've been given every indication that even with the most evidence, the most eyes, the most... Uh, research support. Hey, we end up with the same circumstances. Another comment says, how do we ever make them understand from a white and woke listener? How do we ever get them mm. to understand? I mean, that's what we're grappling with now. How how do we get people to understand that it is inhumane to kill an unarmed person and to hide behind the fact that I thought he was going for something, right? Why would you think he would, when, when you have a white person that has something and you're not afraid? It's funny because I watched her recount the story of what happened. And, you know, by her description, he wasn't moving fast at all. You know, this guy, she kept saying how big he was. Um, he was mumbling something. He had his hands up most of the time. He reached back down into his pocket a few times before she told him, you know, stop or pull your hand out. He put it back up. She then asked him to get down on his knees. And if, if she was accurate in her description, I mean, she said he was 300 pounds, you know, by her, her visual, being able to look at him and tell. And uh, I don't know about you, but if I, if, I mean, hey, if I'm 300 pounds, it might be a little difficult for me to just get out on my knees, you know, real quick, especially if I'm under the influence of something. Absolutely. And so as she's continuing to tell the story, he walks over to the car and I'm thinking, OK, maybe he can't explain to her that, you know, man, something <laughs> something's wrong with me. I can't communicate, but I'm going to walk over here and, and be compliant over here, you know, up against the car or whatever. Um, and her not being able to put those little things together in that moment where she, she took his life instead of, you know, taking a step back and actually being able to gauge the situation properly. There is. But that fear element is, is something that we can't, we can't always embody that for other people, you know, what that feeling was. But that's her defense. It's her fear. That's all their defense. Yeah. They always say they're afraid for their life. That's a common defense. I was afraid for my life. I thought it was him or me. Um, when he had his, when she had a gun out, don't you think he was pretty scared too? Absolutely. <laughs> don't you think he was afraid for his life after all that we've seen? We've seen the encounters with police officers. Don't you think black men are afraid for their lives too? But that doesn't. But see, black dead people tell no. And tales. that's what's important is that they're more afraid than you are. They we say they are. We mentioned earlier, I'm talking about 
black men are more scared of the police than than police are scared. We of. have no weapon. We have no tactical training. Okay, we don't go through scenarios like this. They do all the time. They're shooting their weapon all the time. They 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 have a license to kill. We don't. And so when when I hear about well we need to help de-escalate the situation, why do I need to help you de-escalate the situation? I haven't escalated anything. Mm-hmm. You pull me over. You approaching me. You bothering me. So how am I escalating anything? I mean it's it's you see it's when you put the onus on on the person and not the police officers get paid to do a d- job, right? They get paid. If you afraid, then get the mm-hmm. You don't need to be there. If you are scared, put down your gun. Man, there are so many other jobs you can be Man. happy. You can work at Chuck E. Cheese, you can smile. Maybe she kid. can work at Whataburger. Maybe she can make a a good burger or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what's all she made out to do. So, you know what I'm saying? Don't don't get a gun. Celebration station. I mean, very low risk. Frontier City or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, I don't know. Maybe, but 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 being a police officer is not something she should do. I mean, one of our listeners um, mentioned the Warren Theater and the uh, Latino brother that was choked out. You know, there there there, uh, he lost his life. There was no charges. Alicia says, do these cops have tasers or just guns? I mean, that's so true. The guy had her partner had her tased. He had his, he, yeah. he tased him at the same time. And she also said that she thought she was alone. She says, in her area, the cops have more tasers than guns. How about canines? Why is, there, why is their answer always deadly force? Man, that's the culture. This is what I'm going to say, folks, is we got to get out of here. License to kill. This is what I'm going to say. As the former police officer said, Brother Reddick said, the system has got to be completely overhauled. There is no conforming. There is no tweaking. There is no we need to do this a little better. We need to go back to this, DT. Why do we have a police force to begin with? Why do they exist? What role do they play in our society? What are the boundaries of their authority and not? We need to get to the point where these conversations in the creation of the 21st century police force must be done in conjunction with the community. Law enforcement, FOP, all of that is just, I almost said it. But all of it is a joke. It needs to be dismantled. That's the only thing. I don't care how much outcry we have. Look at Ferguson. They had to bring in the National Guard. Look at, it doesn't, no amount of pressure, no amount of coalescing of the citizenry, the entire system must be abolished and remade from the ground up because history will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the, into the archives of our time and what will she find? Will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many, 
we became one. Or would we find that we solve nothing and remain a divided peoples? Yes, history will speak of us. We can make a difference if we try. We can be the change that's in our lives. All we gotta do is work together. We gotta raise our children better. We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate, and spread the love. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. Today's broadcast is being brought to you by Blacken Studios. To learn more about Blacken Studios, please visit them at blackenstudios.com or visit them on their Facebook page, Blacken Studios. Today's broadcast is also being brought to you by Perry Publishing and Broadcasting. To learn more about Perry Publishing and Broadcasting, please visit their website at perrypublishingandbroadcasting.net. The opinions of the One Might One Voice show do not reflect the views of Blacken Studios or Perry Publishing and Broadcasting. Thank you for downloading the One Might One Voice show.